God calls us all to a particular vocation, sometimes it's difficult to discern. For the next hour, Father Stephen DeLacy, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, will discuss the unique calling to the priesthood and religious life. And now here is your host for the Vocation Hour, Father Stephen DeLacy. Hello, I'm Father DeLacy and welcome to the Vocation Hour. We have a great show in store for you here uh, with uh, three great young men of God here. And I mentioned the word young. You know, a lot of times in, in our modern age, I know when I was growing up, I, I would be a altar server and would be on the, the altar server rotation, which meant then I would I would go and attend like daily mass then as a, as a child, but only on those times I was an altar server. And I remember thinking, yes, one day when I'm old too, sorry for anyone that goes to daily mass, uh, but that was my perception as, a, as a, a little kid here, I thought one day when I'm old too, I'm going to start being holy. I'm going to start responding to God's will and that type of thing. And I had effectively received the lie that only holiness comes with age and that only participating in God's plan comes with age. That's a, a complete lie that the devil wants to multiply in our culture today because he is afraid of the young people responding to God's will. So he wants everyone to think that just God is only connected with the old and that type of thing. But there's something powerful about you know youthfulness and young people responding to God's call. It's no coincidence. Then take a look at at you know who the Blessed Mother was, right? You know some scholars say that she could have been as young as 13 or as old as 16, but she was basically a teenager, and she said yes to God's will. Uh, you, you know she didn't say God like. Let me just kind of finish school, and I want to get to know this Joseph guy first a little bit. Give me five years, and then I'll respond to God's will. But she responded while she was a teenager. Our Lord himself was still very much a young adult when he brought about our salvation, suffering his passion, death, and resurrection. He did so as a young adult. And if we take a look at all, you know, throughout the scripture, there's so many instances of God performing his most powerful work through the young. You know, the, the child David, he became king of Israel when he was still a boy. He said yes to God, right? You know, Samuel went to Jesse and Jesse, and he said, bring me your sons, right? So he set, he set up all his sons but David. And Samuel, as he, as he was discerning God's will of who was supposed to be the future king of Israel, it's like, no, not this one, not this one. Even though some of Jesse's sons would have been ready to step right into that position. Nope, not this one, not this one. He got through them all. It's just like, what? I don't know what's happening, but no one here is meant to be the future king of Israel. Are you, you know, is there someone else? Oh, I have my other son tending the sheep. Go get him. And as soon as Samuel saw him, you're meant to be the, the king of, of, you know, the next king of Israel and that type of thing. So, so the good news is God has a plan. And this, I believe, is really one of the, the, the key ways that, um, you know, we're able then to help our young people to, to not only survive in this world, but thrive in this world. I was at a, a connected to a youth minister's training, and they were talking about how one out of three teenagers have severe anxiety. That is a huge number. And I think one of the ways to combat that, it's not the only way, but you know, encouraging a deep and, and lively faith, 
and encouraging a sense of I'm being called by God. So it's not about my performance. It's not about how well I can do things. It's not about how popular I am or, or how I fit in. If they have a sense of like, I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter of God, God has a plan for me and I'm engaging that plan, the confidence, the, the, the character formation, the fulfillment, the joy that comes from that uh, is so powerful. And we can possess this at a young age. And that's really very much what we're called to do is to, to follow God's will uh, in a very young, at a very young age and, and as early as possible, uh, we're called to respond to God's will. So, you know, hence, uh, you know, Pope Francis is, you know, in, in his new uh, uh, apostolic exhortation to the, to the young, which would be, you know, teenagers and young adults, in, in his document called Christus Vivit, he talks all about this. He lists all the various young people throughout the scripture that God used in a powerful way. He then also listed all the young saints that had powerful influence over the church. And then he tells young people, you're not the church of the future. You are the church of now. And that, you know, the, the church lives and dies by your yes or no to God in a very real way. So the, I'm guessing... You know that that there there are young people listening to this, and and there's probably also others that are working with young people and that type of thing. This is such an important message that the Pope is helping us to get out. That if we want to see the church thrive and 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 for us to be the the presence of God in the world, then what we want to do is with great intensity, we want to cultivate this culture of vocations that our young people recognize. That we're not the church of the future. It's not down the road that we should do God's will like I was in error in when I was a, a young person. But no, the goal is for us to do God's will right here and right now. And that all of us can have a profound uh, um, impact on the life of the church and the life of the world by responding to God's will. Whatever that is. God's not calling just... He doesn't only call those who are called to the priesthood. You know, he calls every single one of us. Some are called to homeless ministry. Others are called to be doctors. Others are called to be lawyers. Others are called to religious life. You know, and, and everyone has the natural call to marry life with, within us and that type of thing. Some are called to give that up for the sake of other things like the priesthood. Um, but, you know, we are, you know, the young people are the church of the now. So, Anyway, so this is exciting because we have this church of the now in that my three guests are teenagers and they're also seminarians. They are amazing. Uh, three recent high school grads. I was confident that two of them would graduate high school. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but anyway, I'm very enthusiastic that we have three high school grads here uh, and they, they're in their first year in the seminary. So we are about to hear their vocation stories and then also... Um, gain some wisdom and insight into you know what it means to be a young person who's the church of, of now you know you know following and pursuing god's will in in their their life so but before we get to them you know this is the vocation hour i'm father delacy the host of the show if as you're hearing this these words if you feel so inspired to pursue a call to the priesthood then don't hesitate to reach out to me you can uh, get, get in touch with me by going to the website connected to the vocation office, www.heedthecall.org. That's heedthecall.org. All right, so 
men. Thanks for being awesome here. So we got three great men of God. So I'll ask that you go around. Now, keep in mind the rules are that the goal is never to leave dead air, right? So so there's not a time for quiet reflection on the radio because people will just think there's nothing there and they'll turn us off, right? So we, we, we want to we keep that genre going here. Um, and so what I'll ask you guys is to introduce yourself. You know, what's your name? What parish do you come from? Um, you know, and um, and tell us about your, your family makeup. So um, so why don't we start, we'll start with Peter, then go with Ted, and then with Luke, and then we'll, we'll keep rotating that that way. So, so Peter, who are you? Uh, hello, I am Peter Wilder. I uh, am, my dad was in the military, so I'm from mainly the archdiocese of the military but um i'm back in philadelphia because that's where my dad grew up in and yeah so my family uh i'm the youngest of eight and currently two of them live in philadelphia and my parents are planning on moving over here soon um s- anything else yep that's that's, that's good to know and 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 if you know what's your favorite topping on pizza I don't know, probably sausage, pepperoni, like meat lover's pizza. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's good eating. That's good eating. And then wh- where did you most recently live before coming to St. Charles Seminary? Before this, I was last in Montana, which is where my dad retired. Yep, yep, so that that's wonderful. Okay, so Ted, who are you? And uh, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Ted Zielinski. Uh, I'm 18 years old. I grew up and went to St. Agnes Parish in uh, Sellersville in Upper Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um... I'm one of seven. I'm the third oldest, and I have four younger siblings. Uh, my four younger siblings are adopted. My two old, my myself, and my two older siblings are not. Um, and yeah, I just graduated high school. Okay, great, great news, great news. And then, what's your favorite condiment? Condiment, uh, ketchup. Ketchup, definitely and, ketchup. And and why? And why is it better than mustard? Well, honestly. <laughs> Ketchup is just far superior. I don't know. I was never. I was never. I was never a mustard guy. I, it's a weird question to ask, but anyway. All right, and then Luke, tell who are you, and uh, and tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Luke Barron. I my parish is Visitation BVM in Trooper. I am one of six, including myself and my parents. So I have an older brother, and then a younger sister and a younger brother. Outstanding, outstanding, and then. What is, oh, what's your favorite thing to order in Wawa? Oh, I just love the cigarettes. <laughs> I love the cigarettes. He, he is kidding. He is kidding. So, <laughs> oh, that is too funny. But anyway, um, well, good. It's good to have you here. And keep in mind that most likely your parents will be listening to this show. So, uh, <laughs> at least I think he's kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> too funny. Too funny. So, well, guys, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, like, like God works powerfully through young people, right? And, and the Pope says that you guys are the church of, of now. Uh, are you able to share? Well, you are because I've heard it before. So, w- will you share with the listening audience your vocation story? So, why don't we go in reverse order? So, why don't we start with Luke, and then we'll go Ted, and then we'll go Peter. Well, from a young age, I would consider myself spiritually attuned. I would ask my parents theological questions, and I felt a certain devotion to the Eucharist after my first Holy Communion. And I was very fortunate to be raised around very holy priests who showed me the social aspect of the priesthood and how they should get to know 
the people they serve. I started to become interested in the priesthood when I started altar serving. I would think about the things I, I liked and I didn't like about the priesthood. And the main things that really resonated with me was that it involved a simple lifestyle and a self-giving uh, and a self-emptying to serve God and his people. But I didn't start um, taking the priesthood seriously until sophomore year of high school. Uh, and I was very intimidated by the idea of seminary. I couldn't pinpoint what I was intimidated by, but it was, it was, it was quite an obstacle. Uh, the main factor that helped me through that intimidation was attending the vocation office events, such as Come and See, Quovatis, and being consistent with those events really helped me see the seminary as the place to be, and I felt God calling me there and seeing the priesthood as the way for me to self-empty myself and give myself. Outstanding. Thank you so much. And, and if you had to, you know, let me ask you this question. What, what, in addition to seeing the social component of the priesthood, what, what's, what's something else that you feel drawn to about the priesthood? Well, uh, besides that, I was always attracted to, to their character and their devotions, especially to the sacraments and how much care they gave in administering the sacraments. Great, great news, All right? Wonderful. All right, well, Ted, do you want to tell us about your vocation story? Definitely, yeah. So when I, when I, now that I think about my vocation, you know, I listen to my, my brother seminarians, I probably, like, I call myself somewhat of a late bloomer in a way. Um, I, didn't st I didn't first feel called to the priesthood until I was in eighth grade at a Steubenville conference. And, you know, a lot, like, a lot of young people my age, like, friends even from high school, I dismissed it. I didn't really think it was for me. I didn't really think about it. And um, it, would always, it was always reoccurring, which is kind of a, it, it was funny to think about like later on when I started thinking about it seriously I was like, okay like I, I thought about this more often than I than I really gave myself credit for but um I was in my junior year of high school and I uh I started to grow in my faith through the adoration chapel I started attending with my mother and then I enjoyed going to it so I would go on my own and then I grew in my faith and in that I uh I really grew in my love and appreciation for the sacraments uh mainly the mass once I started to understand you know the the significance of the mass and how like how lucky I was to be able to go to mass now I uh, I started to grow an appreciation for the priesthood, and then I remembered you know these little these little thoughts that I had uh, throughout my like middle school years, and then so in junior my junior year uh, I grew my faith and grew in love with the sacraments, and I got in touch with the vocation office, and uh, things really took off from there. That's like for me like it was funny because I got in touch with them in March of my junior year, and then September of my senior year I was applying to the seminary, but um that's not always the case. Sometimes it takes long to discern. It always takes long to discern, but sometimes it takes long for guys to. Uh, to really figure out if it's right for them. So I, I'd say don't be discouraged if, you know, things aren't going as, as well as you think they are or if you're struggling with, um, you know, thinking if you're doing the right thing. Just, you know, as long as you're being consistent with your prayer, uh, that's number one. And then through that, you know, just trusting in the process and, you know, going through uh, what you have to do. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And that there's such a consistent theme, and I, I, I call it out all the time, of a the connectedness to Eucharistic adoration and, and cultivating, you know, vocations. And, and then you, you mentioned the, the, the Franciscan Youth Conference, which mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a, a pretty impressive statistic. I might be, it might be as much as 25% of vocations now have been kind of touched by one of those conferences and the, their vocation has been cultivated by that. So that, that's very powerful. So, well, Peter, will you share with us your vocation story? Yeah, so... Uh, when I was in Montana, or before before we got to Montana, I was in the military archdiocese, and we would travel around a lot. 
And I saw a bunch of different priests and I met them, got to know them, and just kind of saw that like they were, I don't know, I got like a respect for the priests during that, just seeing all the things that they did in the church and all the things that they did out and about, not just like in the church itself. And then after that, when we, when my dad retired and we moved to Montana, uh, I got to know the priest there in the parish that we were in, in Montana, and he had a very strong emphasis and uh, very strong pooling towards uh, the traditional mass and Latin masses and things like that. So after a while of us being there, we started attending daily Latin masses. And from that, I just, I started serving those, and I had like a, specifically in the Latin Mass, because the altar server is significantly closer to the priest during the Latin Mass, and during that, especially during the consecration, I, always, I felt like a sort of a calling from Jesus that like, this might, this might be the life for me. And then from that, I started getting, uh, started getting interested into it, and started doing research and stuff on how to how to do that. I talked to my priest a bit, and um, from there we got to uh, that. That was around middle school time period, and from there I kind of just kept thinking about it. And around high school, around the last few years of high school, uh, I started getting involved with uh, the beginning steps of uh, attending a seminary and stuff like that. So I talked to the priests and the people in Montana to become a priest there and, be, and to enter the seminary for them. Uh, but it seemed like there, there was a financial problem that made it so they couldn't really send any seminarians anymore. And I kind of thought that that might have been some sort of thing saying maybe I shouldn't do this. But then from that, like not even like a week later, uh, we decided to call the Philadelphia Archdiocese since we were going to move here in the end anyway. And as soon as we called, they were very, very uh, welcoming to the idea of having, of having me go to the seminary here. And it, everything, everything just kind of lined up perfectly so that it seemed like maybe I wasn't being called to become a priest for Montana, but maybe I was being called to become a priest for Philadelphia. So with that, we started... Uh, getting involved here, and then we organized a trip where I fly from Montana to the seminary here. And as I did that, I stayed a week with the seminarians, and I I felt almost at home just being in the seminary and with all the other seminarians there. And it was just a very nice experience, like an like an only positive experience that I had. And it was just very very assuring that that I think this is where God is calling me to be. And from that I just started the application process and now I'm a seminarian here. And uh, I, it just seems that like, at, an, at a lot of points throughout that it seemed like something went wrong. But as soon as something went wrong, not far later, something went even more right. So it just mm -hmm. seems that there, like, there's always, God is always there helping you no matter what seems to be going wrong, wrong, just remember that God is there to help you. Mm, praise God. Very powerful. Well, uh, you, this is the Vocation Hour. I'm Father Delacy, the host of the show. We have, uh, we have three young men here who are teenagers and seeking the will of God, the Father of, above all things. So if you're not a teenager, you should feel like challenged by this because you know these, these young men are, 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 are giving us a powerful example of what it means to be a disciple and how to discern God's will. 
And and why wait? Why not do it now? Why don't we use the example of these good men of God here uh, in in our own pursuit of trying to seek God's will above all things? So so this is so very exciting. Um, so you know one one question for you guys then: What was the reaction of friends and family when you told them that you know? I'm going to the seminary. Was it was was everyone overjoyed? Was anyone, you know, concerned? What what, what was their reactions? Well, of course, for me, they they were surprised because not many people they know go into the seminary. But at the same time, when they think about um, who I am and what the, and the things I tend to do, uh, they they see it as fitting that I'm entering the seminary. Great. Um, yeah, for me, my, my family was very supportive. Uh, my, I'd say my, my parents were proud even, and they were happy for me. Uh, and they just they reminded me though that whatever I do, as long as I'm doing what I think is right and what God what God will is, uh, then they were they're happy and proud for me. Uh, I went to public high school, so my friends they had no clue <laughs> what I was doing, so they didn't know how to react. But um, so that was interesting. But it uh, it wasn't really a big hurdle, you know. I explained it to people, and they still didn't understand, but they were supportive of me anyway. Great. Yeah, with my family from the beginning, they were very supportive. They, it, it's kind of like they knew before I did that I that I might have wanted to go into the seminary. And then with with friends, it was the same with Ted. I was in a public school, but everyone knew that I had like that I was really involved in church. They knew that right before school, I'd always come from mass, and they'd always know that. And so when I told my friends that I wanted to become a priest, they just kind of accepted it as like, of course he would. So. It was kind of interesting. Great, great. That's wonderful. Well, good. And then you know the the you know all of you are drawn to the priesthood. All of you, God willing, if you're ordained a priest, will be wonderful and that type of thing, allowing Jesus to work through you. What you know, the, there's there's co- different priests you've mentioned have uh, have different qualities that look attractive. What are what are the most important qualities uh, to be a priest? And then do you have any examples in your life? Of priests who kind of were demonstrated the quality. So, what would you say? What are some of the most important things about you know that a priest can do, and then and then how have you witnessed it? So, like I said, I had a, I had a priest when I was in Montana. He's very he, he, something I noticed with him is that he was very much involved with the community, and he was very much involved with being out there, not just not just saying the mass but also actually going out and seeing the people we uh he does like house blessings where he'd stay for dinner he'd have a he'd get to know all the families of the parish and he would like he would host dinners all the time at the church and just the just the idea of having a priest that doesn't that isn't just there to distribute the sacraments which a priest that uh, like that's what a priest should do but in addition to that he also got to know the people. He did all the things that, like, he did all the things that he needed to do to get everyone to uh, be involved, and he would be involved with other things outside the church. Just like, yeah. Good. Good. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, the most important uh, characteristic of a priest is definitely general holiness, um, and this is this is for something for all listeners, whether you're married in college or eight years old you can everyone can strive to be holy and to grow closer to god and do his will and then um definitely like a a good priest i think is someone who has a general love for the sacraments and also god's people so uh 
my uh, like my pastor growing up. He's always you know just willing to listen to people if they're struggling. Like you can just they can listen to people well. They can give people counsel well, and they're just you know, always looking for the best of the people. And I think that um, you know empathy is really important. A priest can know how to talk to someone, get to know someone, and is just you know willing to help in any situation. So I think that's very important for a priest. I think an important uh, quality of being a priest is being able to handle a busy schedule and at the same time uh, be open and ready uh, to the to the care and the need of, of his flock. And I think Father DeLisi is a perfect <laughs> example of that. Well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm humble and grateful for that, too. Um, and and, and the, your chi- Ted, your childhood priest is it, is that Father Steck? Is that the same priest that's that's there now? So yes. yes. Okay. Good. Because because one thing that you know, and thank you, Luke, and, and I guess I'm in the running for this. So normally, you know, I then name at the end of every show the MVP of the show, who the most valuable priest is. So I, and and it, it's usually based on the the names of priests that get generated. So, so Luke, since you mentioned my name, I'm actually for the first time, and so this I this is my eighth year doing the uh, the vocation hour. For the first time in eight years, I'm now nominated to be the MVP. We'll see if I pick myself, but <laughs> but this is the this is a historical moment that that you guys brought about here. So thank you so much, Luke, for for that that great compliment here. So well, well, praise God. So well, you know, we, I, at one level, with really quite frankly, how awesome the seminary is. The tuition is is relatively speaking next to nothing in terms of like the archdiocese is generous with the men that that study at the seminary. That you know, like the the only cost that the man is is picking up is ten thousand dollars for the whole year. Uh, this is for the archdiocese of Philadelphia. Every arch, every diocese handles their uh, their seminary formation differently. I think most dioceses do charge their seminarians a fee in the college program, and then for Philadelphia, it's only ten thousand dollars for the whole year. That's room and board. That's that's tuition for both semesters. So really a steal. Like like if, you know we're right down the road from St. Joe's or Villanova or whatever, and they're all in like the forty thousand dollars per year range. And so, pardon me. Uh, so it's a great it's a great deal that way. You form lifelong friendship. Uh, you you're growing in the faith. You would, you would think that you know we would be kind of you know pushing people away from the college seminary because of how great a program it is. Where it's accredited. It's it's really solid. Um, you know the, the 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 credits transfer to any other institution and that type of thing, and yet you know we don't have an overwhelming amount of guys coming into the seminary, you know especially out of high school, and and I, I think it's I think it's very proper for us to have a college seminary because of the the benefits of formation that we get, and I think that there's plenty of men that God's calling to the priesthood that you know we shouldn't have to worry about. You know whether or not should we keep the college program going? Like not that we're intensely worried about that, um, because God's calling plenty of high school men into the seminary. I think after high school and that type of thing. But why would you say it's hard for a, a high school guy to come to the conclusion of making that decision that like I'm going to go into the seminary after high school? Why would why would that be hard? I think I, I think God is calling men, and I think men. You know, well, I, I won't speculate yet because I just asked you the question. I don't mm-hmm. want to take any of your answers at this point. Uh, so, why is that? I'll just let, I'll just let you guys pop in, but I have to keep talking until uh, one of you start answering. Yeah. So then that way, uh, I definitely, I think it's it's hard because it's countercultural. Um, you know, in today's society, uh, I don't I didn't know very many guys who went to the seminary after college after right after high school into college. You know. Most people they pick a, a four-year university. It's a like a 
a, a public or private college and they go and then maybe they'll discern later and go into the seminary you know not many guys do it and it's hard out of high school because high school is a tough time to like really to know yourself and um it's a hard time to grow in your faith so um i definitely think it's difficult to to make such a big decision but it can be done because it's not us it's god calling us and our and our answer to that and oftentimes i hear people say um uh like vocations are going up or maybe vocations are going down but uh that's not true uh I like to say answered vocations are going up or answered vocations are going down. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, so definitely vocations aren't, aren't going up and down. It's, it's our, it's our answer or our, our response to that. So I think we have to help each other, you know, and help our brothers and our sisters, you know, to acknowledge maybe what God's asking us to do and then to, to respond to that. So true that, that I, and I agree with you, that sentiment, God, Vocations come from God. God's giving us plenty of vocations, and so it's it's the matter of our response. Well, well said, Ted. Well said. So, good. Well, who who's next? Yeah. So, um, I think one of the major things is that um, people underestimate like the ability of a high schooler to, I guess, think for himself. <clears throat> the the people underestimate the the holiness of the like the ability of a hold of the holiness of a, of a high schooler they think that at points maybe a high schooler isn't ready to to realize if he's being called or not so i think that kind of influences people and like people thinking that it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy people think that they're or that high schoolers aren't able to think for themselves, so high schoolers don't think they're able to think for themselves. So that sort of thing kind of makes people not really want to try to uh, see if they're being called. And I think that sort of mentality, if that were changed, might help uh, get more high schoolers into the seminaries. Great insight. Great insight. Uh, I think young people are intimidated by um, entering a convent or seminary out of high school because they see it as too much of uh, too much of a commitment and uh, they think they're missing out if they go into the seminary they miss out on having a college experience where they get to meet um, a lot of different people uh, but I would say that when you enter the seminary you're not committing to the priesthood you're just um for you're furthering and continuing your your discernment in a, in a more serious manner uh and i think the you you would feel more free when you're more open to god's will rather than um the freedom that you have on on a college regular college campus absolutely and that's that, that fullness of freedom go ahead ted and uh, i'd also like to add like if you're if you're in high school and you're thinking about, uh, you know, entering seminary, and your one of your thoughts is, uh, "Am I going to be missing out on the college experience?" Uh, I, I'd say you're definitely not. You co- we come to seminary, and it's such a great and such a holy informing place. But it's also like we have, we just gained like 22 brothers, you know, and, and we play we play sports every day. We uh, we watch movies together. We watch sports, and not only are you receiving such a great Catholic education and you know being formed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But you're also, it, it, it's not just like uh, like some school where it's like strict and all these things where we do have rules, but you can also have fun. And it's such a great environment to be. And it's such a great place to grow in fraternity with other Catholic men. So it's awesome. I really, I really look into that too. 
No, great. Well, you know, very well said. Very well said. Luke, I was going to say something profound and insightful based on what you said. Give me a prompt to remind me what I was going to say that was profound and insightful. Um, <laughs> commitment. Oh, commitment. Yep, yep, it's commitment. Ted was paying attention. So, so it was, I, I'm so good. I'm going to just jump right in. So thank you so much. So one of us was paying attention. Okay. Uh, no, but there, there is such, it's counterintuitive. We, we, we look at commitment and we're like, ooh, that's limiting, right? And that, that somehow is, you know, and then we think limiting is like, oh, that's diminishing my experience, that's diminishing my fulfillment and that type of thing. But, you know, one of the comments I said earlier about, you know, this anxiety. Well, if we, if we, if we free people from all commitments so that there's no boundaries, they can do whatever they want and they can figure out who they're meant to be and what their mission in life is, well, that's awful. It, 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 sounds, it sounds good at one level of like, oh, look, I have all this kind of like potential at one level. But I think the reason why people are so anxious is because, you know, we're not, we're, we're, there's not a healthy amount of boundaries guiding us and leading us. We're not making enough commitments that there is such a freedom that like, okay, I'm coming to the seminar. So I know for this year exactly what I'm about and what I'm going to be doing. And then I'm, I'm committed to being at the seminary and studying this way and that type of thing. If without those, without a commitment like that, there, there's there's actually a lack of freedom that that Luke brought up so well before, uh, where there, there's actually an engagement and a, and a and a deepening of a freedom when we do make that commitment. So keeping committed to God's will, it's a guarantee of 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 a flourishing and and a fruitfulness that is just just so wonderful that is it's counterintuitive to the world. Um, that's why it's so important that we're, we're not taking our cues from the world on how to be happy and fulfilled in, in our identity, but we're taking our cues from God and, and his gospel. Well, this is the vocation hour. We have three awesome young men of God who are, are not only you know teenagers and not only seminarians, they also are really cool um, that we're getting a chance to hang out with on the vocation hour show here. And uh, it's, a, it's a joy and privilege to be with you here. Um, and so... So, men, you know, I guess one question is like, so there's there's a, a, a devotion that you have. There's a level of faith that you have. What were some key ingredients, either things that your parents emphasized or, or, or programs or groups that you were part of? You know, I know you alluded to some of this in your vocation stories, but let's flush out. How did you guys turn out so well? Because, like, <laughs> I see a potential in all of you. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but how did you guys turn out so well? What, what, what do you think was key for your, the, your formation of faith that, that brought you to the point of being the man of God that you are at this point? I, um, I definitely think it, uh, there were two aspects of my, I, I, say, I call them the catalysts of my faith. One being my parish youth group at St. Agnes. Uh, it's such a strong youth group, and it's not only we go, we don't just go and we play games and hang out for an hour and eat pizza. Well, we do do that, but we also, uh, we, we learn about our faith, and we, we meet in small groups, and we talk about different things. So it's really such a great Catholic environment for teenagers to be in. And number two, uh, my parish has a perpetual adoration chapel, and um, I really think that that was uh, one of the biggest uh, I'd say one of the biggest things that helped me grow in my faith was that adoration chapel because I I got to go whenever I wanted and just and just look at Jesus and I think that's so powerful and to, to let Jesus look at me and um, so I think that was a uh, it was so powerful for me and you know being able to just trust in God and to to let God love me and and in that you know grow in my faith and my and my confidence. Outstanding and and let me just make two comments because that's what I do I just comment uh, uh, one. 
Uh, youth ministry is so very important, and I think I think our, our Lord is is doing a full court press. Uh, the Archbishop in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, Archbishop Prez, has invited invited myself and, and a team of other people to to kind of re-engage and, and, and re-envision our youth ministry and then also our young adult ministry. We're starting two new offices. It's so very exciting. But you know, just a central office in the Archdiocese is not able to accomplish you know these missions that we need the men and women of God to ra- rise up and respond to the call that God has given to them. And I think many, many, many of our listeners here are being called to support youth ministries and young adult ministries. This is all throughout New Jersey who's listening to us and all throughout the Philadelphia area that that God wants there to be more dynamic youth ministry. And youth ministry needs a lot of support. You know, every youth ministry, like, you may say, like, I don't know how to give a talk, but if you can cook, well, every youth ministry needs people providing, like, awesome food, right? So, it's like, that might be the place where you go, or, like, or I, I, I'm handy. I can kind of build things. Where youth ministry, they do all kinds of great things. So, you don't necessarily need to be the one giving the instructions, though we do need those people to step up as well. But, you know, virtually every gift you have, God can use. So, Luke, I think I interrupted you uh, as you were about to kind of share your wisdom and insight. Well, as I said in my vocation story, I think the events and retreats held by the vocation office were the main factor in my in my discernment. There, it's just those events are so fruitful, and I, the main things that I've taken away from those are, of course, uh, I get the experience of a seminarian. I've taken two academic courses here. Uh, I've been to come and see weekends where. Uh, I get to see the life of a seminarian, of shadowed seminarians. And it's really helped my prayer life um, and get, getting an insight into the seminary has been really great and the relationships I've formed from those events have been wonderful. Great, great. Especially, you know, one thing that we're very proud of and that Luke mentioned it beforehand um, and, and all three of you had a chance to experience it uh, this year in our virtual form of it. Um, and then, Ted, you were there last year, too. So is our Quovatis camp. You know, Quovatis is, is Latin for where are you going. And the goal of the camp is not to make every man, you know, go into the seminary that attends. The goal of the camp is to help every man to become discerning and capable of, of discerning what God's will is for them. It's so very important for going into high school and to college because God, quite frankly, has a plan for what college you go to and what major you study and that type of thing. And I don't know how any of us could ever be expected to pick the right one. Uh, it, it, and and it, it, that seems so unreasonable. It seems much more reasonable. Like if there is a God, and we believe there is, you know, I know there's atheists out there that don't believe in God, but if you're a believer, and I'm guessing if you're listening to this, this radio show, you're a believer, then it makes total sense. Your method for choosing your college and your major should be, praying to God and asking him because he's going to get it right for you. Um, and uh, and so we, we need to constantly be encouraging that level of discernment. And I'm so proud of our Quovatis camp because it helps these men to have the tools that are needed to discern and 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 a support structure, a little bit of a community, as it were, of, of other men that are seeking to do God's will above all things. So, Luke, thanks for the good shout-out for the work that we're doing here at the Vocation Office. So how about, Peter, how, how did you turn out so well? Yeah, so um, the priest that I, I keep mentioning throughout this, uh, he has a, um, one of the many things that he does is that he has a high school CCD class 
because most of the time when it comes to like CCD and making sure that you're constantly learning about God, uh, that kind of normally stops for, well, I don't know how it normally works in some places, but it's, it seems like as far as I know, in a lot of places it kind of stops before high school or mm -hmm. stops when high school starts. And my priest, he always had a, he had a, a, a an additional four years for high schoolers that would be taught by himself and it would be very um we, we would focus on different aspects of the bible and like he has like a four-year cycle so essentially everyone gets the same information um but it was a very that that really helped like like keeping an interest in in god and being able to make sure that uh, the high schoolers don't lose their faith, which not that anyone in that in my group would have uh, had a problem with that, but just it, it, it's a very good uh, reassurance by the church to make sure. And in addition to that, um, he always at any at any time that I needed it, he always had confession available. And something that I th I notice among people of like teenagers and young adults is that they kind of, I guess they might get discouraged and confession might not always be available and the mixture of those two things normally don't go well together and then it kind of drives people away a little bit. So being able to always have available confessions was really useful in making sure that I, uh, that I kept at it and I made, made sure that I was on top of things, making sure that the devil didn't get the better of me and that always helped out. Mm, there's such a great power in frequent confession and so to all of our listeners like making frequent use of confession uh, there, there's really no limit on how often you can use confession now sometimes priests will advise somebody that's kind of scrupulous okay like instead of going every day you should probably only go once a week and there's a wisdom there because then you're becoming anxious that you're not being forgiven by God which is actually robbing the power of confession so apart from that which is an extreme um, making frequent use of confession is a wonderful thing you don't necessarily have to go once a week but i would say like i would challenge everyone listening to go to attempt to go to confession at least once a month now we're supposed to go to confession as soon as we possibly can after we commit a mortal sin uh you know hopefully you're not committing a mortal sin once a month i guess some of us can easily fall into that though um but just making that good frequent use of confession because uh, it, it it frees us from the the the, the ties of the devil it, it you it, it helps us to kind of purify and strengthen our relationship with God and so it's so very important so guys thank you so much we could write a book on how to kind of raise good good men of God here based on all the all the great comments that that was given here uh and and that type of thing so so you know we mentioned and uh, and I'm mindful of time here so we're, we're we're about 10 more minutes to go here uh, you know you may have picked up and and these guys have been alluding to it they're they're brand new seminarians so that at the taping of this they've been in the seminary for about two weeks ish right give or take and uh, and so they're they're still learning the ropes but uh, what has been some initial you know you know experiences that you want to relate about coming to the seminary what's been what's been some of the greatest joys what's been some of the greatest challenges uh, you know, I don't know if you want to comment, but we're, yeah, obviously we're experiencing a worldwide pandemic. So the start of the seminary was a, it's a little bit different in our policies and procedures than other times. I don't know if you want to weigh in on that, but uh, how has your your start of your seminary career been for you so far? Uh, seminary has been great so far. Um, you know, just getting here, it, it was it was such an anticipation for me. 
because I got accepted last December and then I had like uh, you know eight or nine months before I went in and I was I was very I was very excited. So when I got here, it was kind of it was almost surreal because I've been on you know come and see weekends and everything. And almost at first it felt like a, a long come and see weekend. And I wasn't really used to the house and I wasn't really used to being here. And as I moved, grew more comfortable and I started to get to know the guys, it just kind of I just kind of fit right in. And um, you know, having mass every day and the liturgy of the hours, which is such a, so important in the life of a seminarian, it's been very, it's been so great. And um, uh, difficulties, there hasn't been that many, honestly. One might be time management because uh, you know, with class, so you have class in the morning. Uh, at least we do. We have class in the morning, and I have lunch, and then I want to get to the gym, but I have to make a holy hour, and then I go to the library. So there's a lot to juggle. But um, you know, it just takes. I mean, that's in every every aspect of life. You're always going to have something where you're like, you're, it's hard to manage. You know, life isn't easy. Uh, Seminary is no different. But um, you know, as as we as we're here for longer, like we're growing closer to guys. We're starting to learn the ropes, like Father Lacey said. So um, you get you get the hang of things. You start to get in a routine, and then uh, things kind of just click, click into place. So it's been good so far. Yeah. So for our first uh, week and a half, I think we we've all enjoyed um, orientation. And getting to know everyone, um, it's, it's just been a lot of meetings, um, a lot of information to take in, but but we're glad to to um, gain more knowledge as we go. And for me, I've I've really enjoyed, like Ted said, the the daily prayer and mass, especially the liturgy, the hours where we can gather as a community um, and really have some some silent time with God and, and to praise Him with the official. Uh, prayer of the church which is so beautiful yeah I would definitely agree liturgy of the hours was something I didn't necessarily do too much before seminary but as we started seminary it's something that I've gotten used to and something that I, I really enjoy doing it's like a it's like a nice experience it's at like as it's called the liturgy of the hours it's like little bits of the mass throughout the day and that's a nice experience to be able to have and in addition to that, something is like there's the seminarians here are very like there's a bunch of different types of people here all going to the seminary and like all of them are really friendly people and having them around and they're very welcoming really made it uh, easy for the start of this year. So it really helped with getting settled into things, having people that were really uh, friendly to have nice nice well and and it's important that we we acknowledge you know all i know the the three of you have wonderful parents so why don't, why don't you guys give a shout out to your mom and dad since they're they're most likely going to be listening to this show uh shout out to my parents uh yeah paul and maureen you guys are great thank you for uh Allowing me to, to leave <laughs> in a good way to to set me off to set me off and uh you know it's I know you guys miss me a lot I'm sure but uh I love you guys and I hope you're doing well. <laughs> and t- Ted normally doesn't refer to his mom as dad and, and dad as Paul and Marine, but uh, it, it was good to acknowledge their names yeah. though. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't, for the record, I'm respectful of my parents. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and for the, just the listeners to understand the drama, Ted has been tending to take the lead on it. And then, and then Luke and Peter then they, they deliberate about who's going to go next, and 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 they, they, they basically the first one to point to the other, then then that's how that discernment works. Like it's important to get the behind the scenes drama of what what takes place on the radio show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Peter. <laughs> 
I'd like to thank my parents. Yeah, sure. Well, you, you, you can say that who, who and their name is. Yeah, I'd like to thank my parents. My parents are uh, Bill and Elizabeth Wilder. Uh, they have really helped me out throughout this time, and like I, I've been pretty much keeping in contact with them every day since I've been here. So it's, it's I, I don't, it's uh, yeah, I still keep in contact with them. So it's not like I'm missing them in a bad way, but like I, I still, I, I still talk to them a lot. So it's nice to still be able to have them around, essentially. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, shout out to my parents, Michael and Christine Barron. Um, they've been very supportive, um, and I greatly appreciate their attitude and all the hard work that's gone into this. Um, I, on the other hand, haven't been talking to them that much, but I, I hope they're understanding because it's been a, a busy couple weeks. Oh. It's good to good to touch base with your parents, that yeah. type of thing. So the the even though the shadow heals a good thing, it it doesn't suffice or replace a phone call. So plus you have to call them and tell them that the show's coming up. So there's you know, we air the the first Friday of the month, and uh, for for everyone that's out there, uh, so that you know we we pre pre record these shows. So good. Well, we're, we're getting down towards the end, and I, I want to I always want to hear what people guys have to say. So uh, what would be your advice then for a guy who's out there thinking about the priesthood? What would be your your words of wisdom? What would be your advice for them? Uh, do not be afraid. I'd say, uh, you know, trust in the Lord and really just don't ha- have have some confidence. I'd say, um, you know, I came into the seminary as raw as they come. Like I don't know most of the Latin. You know, I wasn't great with liturgy hours. You know, uh, you're gonna learn things. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna come in and know everything and just kind of accept it. Like I, I really had to accept it. I, I don't know everything. And there's a lot to learn, and it can be really humbling, and uh, can be really a really good experience. So just don't be afraid. Just trust God, uh, and uh, do whatever you think God's asking you to do. I would say get into contact with um, important people because you shouldn't be discerning by yourself. So you should get into contact with your pastor. Maybe set up an appointment, and he can maybe direct you to a spiritual director or to or to your uh, vocation director like ours, Father Delisi. So I would say get into get into contact with people and share uh, share about uh, your discernment and your interest. Yeah, I'd say just make sure that you're make sure that you're praying, make sure that you're listening to what God has to say, and if you feel that God is calling you, it's always worth a shot to try and go to the seminary. It's a nice place. It's definitely it's definitely a nice place to be, and. Um, so yeah, having having very good uh, vocations director here really helps out with uh, making the um, entrance in the seminary approachable. Oh, and I appreciate you. you guys are so kind and uh, and so I think I am the MVP of this show. I'm <laughs> I, I just I, I, it's so weird to, to say that so I think I think let's make Father Jeff stack the uh, the the actual MVP because uh, it's just too weird to declare yourself the MVP or something so I just it's, you, the, it's you, the best parish in the diocese St. Agnes Sellersville <laughs> well, versus there's a St. Agnes in Westchester who's also uh, you know so the two St. Agnes parishes have been the two most consistent 
uh, producers of vocations in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. We have some other great parishes too that are consistently producing vocations. But you know, St. Agnes, the two St. Agnes's, the one in Westchester, the one in Sellersville, are really performing at the highest level of that. And so Ted is on board with this. I'm trying to actively cultivate a rivalry between the two St. Agnes parishes. I've also suggested to key leaders in the archdiocese, nobody's taken me up on this suggestion yet, that we, because of the, because of the reality that the two St. Agnes parishes are producing the most vocations, we should name more parishes St. Agnes and just change the name of some parishes. Nobody has taken me up on that suggestion yet, but uh, it doesn't stop me from making that suggestion. Uh, so, well, we have a few more minutes here, so we, we want to make sure we get to the, 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 the most intense question on people's mind. What is your favorite cheesesteak? So, what is your favorite cheesesteak? So, so, Peter is new-ish to the area, so that puts him at a significant disadvantage uh, in answering this question. So, what is your favorite cheesesteak and why? So, uh, Just for the sake of variety... I just had a chicken cheesesteak a couple weeks ago, and I really enjoyed that. It was down at at the beach in Ocean City. I really enjoyed it. Nice. So Ocean City's chicken cheesesteak. The the best cheesesteak in the Philadelphia area is definitely Steve's Prince of Steaks in the northeast on Cotman Avenue. It's phenomenal. You can get a chocolate soda, too, which is just like, you know, you don't see that very often. It's the, be- the best cheesesteak. It's great. You got to go. And a chocolate soda yeah, too. I've good. never heard and of cherry, and cherry soda. And cherry soda. Wow. I, I and so I'm weird. I don't like chocolate, but I've never heard of chocolate soda. Cool. I guess due to lack of experience, the most amount of places we used to visit here all the time. So we go downtown, Reading Terminal Market. We used to get cheesesteaks there. So that's probably it. Well, that that and and that yeah, that's a solid contender for the best cheesesteak in the area. And I actually have to I have to agree with Ted for. For most of my life, I've I've actually claimed Steve's Prince of Steaks as my favorite cheesesteak too. So so the great minds think alike, and and this is the first time I've had a group where somebody else has said that. So I'm actually very very excited for that. So well, praise God. So well, guys, thank you so much. You did an awesome job on the show here. And uh, why don't we close with a, a quick prayer, and then we'll we'll sign out here. In the, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for all the many gifts that you give to us. We thank you for the gift of, of, of this time together as the vocation hour. We ask that everyone that's listening, that they will be inspired to do their vocation, to discern what their mission in life is, and that they will be given the powerful grace of discernment so that they can continue to know what your will is and give them the strength and courage to execute that will. We thank you for the gift of these three young men here that as teenagers they've responded yes to God's will. We ask you, Lord, that you allow them to continue to grow in wisdom and strength and and be filled with faith so that they can continue on the, the mission of the church. And we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on, on the show here. And I thank ever all the, the, all the listeners here. And tune in uh, next month to be with us at the Vocation Hour. God bless you. Thank you for having us.
just for you. What took me so long? I was looking outside, as if love would ever. 